Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm Francesca Albrezzi, and today I'll be speaking with Anya Forschner and Marta Yovanovich about feminist art, histories, teaching, and contemporary practices. Anya Forschner is an art historian and curator based in the Netherlands. Originally trained as a visual artist, she holds a master's degree in art pedagogy, art history, and philosophy, and a PhD in art history from the Ludwig Maximilians University in Munich. She previously worked at Munich's Haus der Kunst and the Getty Research Institute in Los Angeles. Currently, she teaches feminist art and exhibitions, history and challenges, at the Berlin-based Node Center for Curatorial Studies. Her research encompasses modern and contemporary art with special emphasis on performance art from Los Angeles and former Yugoslavia, feminist art, the human body in contemporary art and culture, and the emotion of disgust in art. Dr. Kathy Batista wrote of Marta Yovanovitch that she is truly an artist of the 21st century. She can no longer call one country home after living in Europe, the Middle East, and North America. Her practice moves effortlessly between performance, sculpture, video, and installation. She is interested in the legacy of feminism, but she also has a deep admiration for her male forebearers. Are these contradictory stances? They should not be. For identity today is a shifting and transforming process rather than a fixed state. We have learned from the achievements as well as the mistakes of earlier feminist thought. Prescribing what is a liberated feminism from what is not is a futile process. What is more enlightening is to understand that the post-feminist condition allows for a personal quantification of identity, one that is not forced or assigned. This is what our feminist predecessors fought so bitterly for, for our generation to have freedom to make our own choices about our bodies, our art, our lives. Thank you both so much for being here with me today. And I have to say that's just the absolute perfect quote to start with, um, I think, for our conversation. Um, in the midst of the Me Too movement, and um, as well as the Time's Up movement, we've seen a rise in public discussions of feminism and feminist uh, artistic practice. Many of these conversations have been echoed in the classroom, um, I'm sure you've experienced. Uh, from my experience with art history teaching resources and online uh, peer-populated uh, peer platform, I know that the AHTR lesson plan for feminism and art has been one of our most popular and widely shared. Um, infused with identity and public po uh, body politic, feminist art remains an area of study that offers educators the opportunity to explore performances, masculinity and femininity, the constructedness of histories, myth and narration, uh, and how the personal and the political are intertwined. So with that in mind, um, I think we could probably all agree that feminism is not a static term. Uh, maybe to start us off today, uh, Anya and Marta, could you give me your working definitions of feminism and how you've come to define your work as feminist? Sure. Should I get started? Marta, do you want? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm really excited to hear actually what, what you have to say, um, uh, being the practicing artist versus me as um, the scholar. And uh, I mean, Francesca, what you said um, about 
feminism being very fluid and, and being very complex is um, definitely one of the kind of core characteristics for me for feminism. And I think it's something that um, many people yet need to understand because for many people it still remains very much tied um, to the uh, second wave of the, of the 60s and 70s. And uh, many people do not have noticed that um, it has emerged and um, developed a lot over the course of the last couple of decades. So um, it, it's a good question, and I, I, keep, um, I keep thinking about my definition a lot, and I, I notice that it's constantly changing, and I constantly interrogate when I see it, how I see it, how I understand it, how other people understand it, reflecting on it with my own experience, my own um, take on it. And I think just um, very kind of my very general understanding of feminism is um, that it is very much a concept of, of critical negotiation of the relationships of gender and power throughout history and art history, but also in the larger spheres of the, um, the workings um, and values and construction of society and culture. And feminism to me does not necessarily concern females alone, maybe I should say anymore. I think that the issues that historical feminist thinking has tackled with regards to women, meaning the oppression, the inequality, discrimination, and so forth they experienced and many continue to experience, um, should now also be applied to other groups experiencing the same problems. So I think we must really, or for, for me, it's really about widening the concept of feminism to a more inclusive understanding of gender and um, regard it in its various intersectional manifestations. So I think overall feminism um, kind of draws maybe from the experience and realities of women, but for me now is a much wider concept um, struggling against oppression, marginalization, and stereotypes, and, and these are issues that can be found in many more realms than, than just the female one. Absolutely, and uh, Marta, uh, would you agree with that assessment? Do you have? Yes, yes. I'm glad that Anya went ahead uh, first and gave her definition because uh, Anya and I have been working for a long time uh, together now and uh, we agree on many points. We learn from each other. I especially learn from her uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to theory because I'm someone who I throw myself into the situation and experiment and that's how my experience are, are being born. And actually, now that you are, uh, that I'm speaking, you can hear that my voice is broken. That's because I'm still coming out of the performance that happened just uh, two days ago. And uh, I caught a very severe cold exactly by exposing my almost naked female body to the audience and to the freezing water. <clears throat> and uh, um, Talking about feminism, I agree with Anya that it's a very problematic term now. Uh, that's not what she said, but that's how I like to, uh, uh, let's say, think about it or define it, because it's about today it's about gender in general, but to me it's about freedom more than anything else. Uh, you mentioned the Me Too movement. I think it's, it's today the issues and the, the problems that we are facing uh, across genders uh, is is about uh, freedom. We are fighting for our freedom. And uh, uh, as a performance artist, uh, uh, my body is my battlefield, you know, my battleground. And uh, I like to expose my body and to give my body to the audience, to test the audience, to test their feelings, to test their actions, to test 
what they are capable of and what they, how far uh, the members of the audience are ready to go. And uh, it's all one big experiment, um, I believe, still, until we really become equal. I think that's absolutely right. And um, thank you for being with us, despite your cold, I am... <laughs> I only imagine. Um, well, so I, with that in mind, and I think you two have started to get at this wonderful partnership that you have shared, a, a strong collaboration that spans multiple projects and continues to grow. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how that partnership began and the performances that you've uh, produced together. I'm particularly thinking about uh, your your. Um, performance at the Swiss Embassy in 2016, but I know this partnership continues to grow, so your others as well. Marta, uh, I think you uh, could me. take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, I met Anya one beautiful afternoon in the cafe in Rome in 2015, and it was immediate click uh, on all possible levels, uh, professional in the first place, but then also it became personal because we became really good friends. Um, I think that both the work that she does and uh, as, as a curator and as an art historian and as a scholar uh, and the work that I do as, a, as an artist, it's very, very personal. And it turns into a tango where we learn from each other and we teach each other steps. And so Anya had an enormous influence on, on what I do today. She changed my practice. She encouraged me to, 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 to go, I wanted to say a step further, but many steps further from where I was when we met. <laughs> and uh, um, the performance that we were preparing for, for almost a year, was the performance Love at the Swiss residency in Belgrade in, in 2016. But meantime, uh, another performance was born, uh, which was called Motherhood. Uh, and that was directly influenced by our conversations and, uh, and uh, numerous conversations, because at one point we were meeting on Skype once a week. It was a fixed date to discuss the performance at the Swiss residency, but meanwhile also many other things. And, uh, uh, and I think that with the performance motherhood, I made an enormous shift as a performance artist. I used uh, raw eggs in it, which comes directly from Anya's uh, um, interest in disgust. And um, I think the contact with that raw material, with the with the with the smell, with uh, with uh, with the substance of it, uh, with um, not being able to walk on a slippery floor covered by 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 the yolk um, I think uh, those were the moments practic practically uh, the moments where where I had seen the whole new episode uh, uh, in in my work being born and uh, we turned uh, those smashed eggs into into gold practically uh, in the installation also called Motherhood that Anya curated in uh, the gallery Euxter uh, Belgrade, in Belgrade, Serbia. Um, and, um, yeah, did I answer your question and I went too far? <laughs> Not at all. No, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, Anya, please, pat me. <laughs> I might probably also just um, say a couple words about 
uh, kind of our relationship uh, from my side and, and how it developed and what I how it influenced me. Um, so I was approaching Marta initially. Um, I was conducting or still am conducting a research project on the documentation and archiving strategies of feminist performance artists. And I had worked in kind of traditional archives for a while, Carolee Schneeman and Barbara T. Smith. And I was just really interested to um, kind of very boring, like talk to a practicing artist about how they document and archive their ephemeral work with the ephemeral means of documentation that we have um, to date. And so I, I asked Marta to be my kind of case study and she she agreed to be my guinea pig. Um, but but then it, it kind of took off in this entirely um, new and unexpected direction for me as well when she asked me to curate uh, the Love Lubov um, performance. And that was a very intense and, and very um, daunting and intimidating experience for me because how do you curate performance? I mean, it's um, I, and I kept thinking about it and, and of reading up on it, and it's really the the how it worked between us was very much almost like a like a I I, I became her psychologist in a way, <laughs> but also remain tried to remain the the professional um, outsider. So I, does does that Marta, do you, did you experience I that? I absolutely mean, agree. I fired my shrink the moment I met you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was not good. Um, and, and so for me, I mean, I was always interested uh, throughout my PhD that I did on Paul McCarthy and, and throughout my work, I was always interested in conducting art history, but working with artists. And I never understood how people could do art history on just dead subjects and dead people, because I always thought it's so much more interesting to work with the living person. And I've talked to many people about it, and many people ask me and said, well, but it's so much more complicated. And I completely agree, because obviously you don't have just the artwork, and you can interpret into it, but you have a living, speaking, feeling subject that will talk back, thankfully. Um, but I, I think it, 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 I personally benefit a lot of it um, in my scholarly practice from that, because I feel... Um, I can incorporate the, the voice of a, of a living artist. And um, especially when it comes, you know, to research on, or scholarship on, on feminism, I think um, it's, it's even more important for me. Um, so I learned a lot from Marta as well, and I continue to learn, and, and we have great discussions about these topics. And um, it's, it's always great to have different insights, you know, not just theoretical insights into a topic such as feminism, but also the, the practicing artist's insight. Absolutely. I think what, what I'm hearing in, in both your responses is that feminist art is personal work. It's very personal, um, intimate work. And you, you two have shared in that collaboration together um, and that intimacy and um, kind of emotional connection uh, to not just the work, but to the conceptions behind the work. Um, for those who are less familiar, um, the, the performance installation of motherhood came into existence very quickly. Is that correct, Marta? You kind of felt compelled to make this work. Um, would you say that? Um, well, the connection for the collaboration was, was immediate, almost. Uh, while we worked on the actual performance for about uh, eight months. Is that correct, Anya? I believe it was about eight months because we met somewhere in October and uh, the performance was in June. So, uh, Motherhood uh, or Lubov? 
Dubav. Dubav. Motherhood happened almost immediately. Yeah, Motherhood happened was... in, in February and it was the immediate reaction onto, on, onto our first conversations. And even I remember our first conversation when we first met in, in that cafe in Rome. Uh, it, it was, you know, with Anya, it was, there was never any kind of wall. It was all very honest, vulnerable, sincere, um, clear, uh, critical, um, and and I believe uh, that's where any ism should start from. We have to break the walls. We have to break the barriers. We cannot fall into folders. Um, we're going back to the word freedom. I'm sorry. I'm boring. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I, well, I think um, in today's social and political climate, um, the words of Toni Morrison comes to mind. Um, and she said, this is precisely the time when artists go to work. There is no time for despair, no place for self-pity, no need for silence, no room for fear. We speak, we write, we do language. That is how civilizations heal. Um, so I think there's, um, an immediacy to some of this work, um, that you're doing because it needs to be said now and it needs to be performed now and it needs to exist now uh, in response to um, what you're personally experiencing, but what I think culture is experiencing, uh, experiencing more broadly. And I was hoping that maybe you could talk a little bit about your process, Marta, um, from the conceptual phase to sort of some of the practical logistics that artists face. Um, what does your workflow look like? Uh, does it change over time? And um, do you have certain touchstones or methods or resources that you swear by? Sure. Um, I uh, like the quote that you have chosen, but I would just like to add that it does not apply to artists only. Uh, we are fortunate or our unfortunate, you know, to have our practice because sometimes it's very liberating and exorcistic, but on the other, in other times, it's, it's very, it's a painful process. Um, but I think that applies to any human being. I think that the experience needs to be shared. Um, you asked me about my process, process. It comes from a very personal place. If we talk about Dubav, it, it came from a very violent uh, disappointment, let's, let's, let's put it that way. And I had to find a way to elaborate that and uh, to communicate that to, to other people around me and to all other people that will have a chance to see the performance, not the performance, but the documentation of the performance, or to read uh, wonderful analytical and critical texts that Anya wrote about it. <laughs> so in the process, uh, I hope both Anya and I, her as a curator of the piece of me as an artist, have touched uh, the, 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 audience, the audience and we have touched people who have been in similar uh, in similar violent situations. Um, usually my process starts in elaborating the emotion or the situation or something that, that, that bothers me, either in positive or in negative way, like that touches me. And uh, slowly it turns into visuals, into pictures that I see in my, in my head. And, uh, and then those pictures somehow um, I try to collect them. I eliminate what is less strong and keep what is stronger and then eventually turn them into a performance piece. 
And Anya, how, how does your process relate to Marta's um, and to the artists that you work with? And what do you see the role of the curator in facilitating this sort of work? So in the case of Yuvav, um, it was really very much kind of a little bit of a tightrope walk between interfering and just providing a mirror pretty much and, and giving Marta the chance to, you know, talk through the images, uh, visualize the images, visualize the emotions and get more and more specific. And, you know, I mean, a, a performance like Yubov is such a, as Marta said, such a personal construct that as a curator, you have to be incredibly respectful of that. You cannot be the one to implement your own, um, your, your own take on it or your own images or, or your, your own um, desires or whatever uh, it might be. It, it so happened that in the case of Lyubov, there were many shared emotions be between Marta and I. We both were kind of going through a rough patch um, in our um, lives. But overall, for me, it's, it's, it, it was very much and continues to be when I work with her very much about being um, Kind of a soft wall around her and that I, I know it sounds awful but i mean that in a way of you know she can bounce ideas off me i will give her feedback she can um uh you know call me and, and talk through issues through obstacles that she has and and i can interfere but it's as a as a curator i felt that it was it, it was very much just like a very careful not even guiding, but just being there for and being kind of also the strength for her um, to to kind of birth this work of art. Because I mean, I've seen it with her now, and it's a very difficult process. It doesn't come easy. It, it goes through many phases of frustration, of excitement, of um, different inspirations, and so forth. And so I kind of thought, for me, it was it, as I said, it was really very much the position of of being there and and being her kind of not dump, but being the, 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 the area that she can throw stuff on and, and it'll, it'll come back or it'll get swallowed or it'll get chewed through and then serve back to her. But yeah, if that makes sense, it's a very abstract kind of thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, oh. a, it's fantastic. Um, you know, I have to say, if I, if I may, just, just, just a short thing. Uh, it's a very rare uh, thing for an artist to have a, a curator as sort of a life partner that uh, this is the kind of life partner I would like to have. Like Anya is a curator, you know, like someone who does not obstruct you, someone who intelligently channels you and recognizes your strengths and your weaknesses without judging you and pulling the best out of you. And that's a very, very rare gift that a curator, a curator that is a person above all can have. You know, a curator and that person that is a curator has to have a very particular strength, a very particular control of, 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 of ego uh, and a very um, high intellect and, and, uh, um, and uh, experience and knowledge in order to do that. So, Anya, thank you. Wow, thank you. That sounded much better than what I said. <laughs> well, I, I, I think what you're both getting at, um, and maybe kind of going back to that uh, 
quote that we had referenced earlier and Marta, what you said about it not just being for artists um, alone, but that you're both, uh, while very accomplished professionals in the art world, you also have chosen to teach. And um, I think maybe that uh, experience from teaching has uh, lent itself to your collaborative efforts. Um, and I was hoping that maybe we could talk a little bit about um, your teaching practices. So Anya, you've recently taught a class on feminist art and exhibitions, history and challenges for the Node Center of, uh, for Curatorial Studies. And I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about that program and uh, how you came to it. And uh, how did your students respond to the term feminism within that context? And did they come to the class with a good understanding of it? Um, and did you feel like their understanding about the concept changed uh, over the course of the class and in what ways? Um, uh, so, yes, yeah, so the, the class is, um, is something that I proposed to the center because I felt there are not nearly enough resources for people interested in, in, in feminist art um, unless you know, they attend university, they attend uh, classes, their gender studies, but there is barely, to my knowledge, th there are not enough classes really focused on this topic. And um, so I, I worked out this program where we uh, look at the history of uh, feminist art and then we also look at the history of feminist exhibitions because um, Node, Node's focus is very much on, on curating and curatorial study studies, I also found it very important to talk about what the, the, the feminist exhibitions that, that have been realized so far, the criticism they elicited, um, and also opposed to exhibiting feminist art, what are feminist strategies of curating? Because that is, you know, one of the things that, that I also find very important that I want to get my students to realize is that feminist curating in itself um, is a, a radical intervention um, with existing structures in the art world. So it's not so much about putting Carolee Schneemann up on the wall, but it's really about thinking how can we change the system that is in place that has over the last how many centuries um, just rewritten the same canonical stories, narratives, um, reiterated the same beliefs over and over that have been so oppressive towards not only women, but um, all kinds of genders and marginalized groups. And um, so I had, my, my students are very mixed. Uh, I've taught this class now twice. And uh, the first group was very, um, so working professionals, but then also many uh, students and, and PhD uh, students and candidates. Um, so most of them had a very good understanding of feminist art history. Um, and then the second group I had was much more mixed. I had a lot of uh, practicing artists, which was wonderful, I think, um, for the class. And many people who came to the class without previous knowledge or not a lot of previous knowledge. So, I mean, as you probably know best, Francesca, you know, it's always kind of this walk between uh, not just, you know, not reiterating something that people already know, but um, also not being exclusive of those who don't have any previous knowledge. And um, for me, the, the emphasis that I really wanted to put in the class, obviously, is educating them about the feminist 
art history because it's important, especially when it comes to feminist art, to be really firm and really knowledgeable about what happened in the past and the issues that feminists took and that, um, that feminist artists expressed and so forth. But then also to understand, and this is especially relevant now with kind of this new surge of interest in feminism, um, to, and to, to develop critical thinking about feminists art and feminism. I think that was that is kind of the, one of the core things. I, did, I don't want the students to just sit there and absorb facts about feminist art history and exhibitions, but I want them to really reach the point where they can say, okay, I want to, I, I, I make up my own mind. Um, it's feminism is a very, and feminist art is a very idiosyncratic, very personal, very subjective thing. And, um, and it's good. And it's a highly contested and debated issue, which is even better, because you never want to work with something that's clear and boring. <laughs> so I really want them to understand that feminism and feminist art is not a thing of the past, but it can't be as it was cre created or kind of the characteristics that it had in the past. They don't apply to the current situation anymore, not necessarily. Um, so, as I said, really start employing own critical thinking about their environment, also about feminist art. I want them to understand that the fact that feminist art remains contested, especially when it comes to exhibitions, is nothing that should deter them from working with it, but on the contrary, it's something they should embrace. And lastly, to really teach them a very inclusive and broad understanding of feminist art that goes beyond the historical white Western female heterosexual canon. I want, want them to really understand that there are many feminisms all over the world that have entirely different faces from what has been established as feminist art so far. And yeah. Right. No, absolutely. I, I think it, intersectionality is, is critical mm -hmm. to this um, new wave of feminism that we're seeing. And um, I, I'm, Wondering if, Marta, I know that you've founded an art certificate program called Performance Hub, Bel Hub Belgrade uh, to help mentor performance artists and foster the production, dissemination, and preservation of their work. Um, performance artists have specific needs, as we've sort of already started to discuss here, that and present unique challenges. So from your experience, can you talk a little bit about what those needs are and the challenges um, that um, are the specific motivations that you had in putting the program together and where you saw or see um, I, the ideas of uh, feminist um, practices kind of coming into their work? Is that something that gets introduced along the way? Or do they come to it in their own time and in their own way when you're shepherding them through um, this program? Sure. Well, the, the program has been found. I founded the program because I felt there was a need uh, in general in the world. Uh, studies in performance art are very rare. And uh, usually when they exist, they're more turned towards theory rather than towards practice. And uh, the idea, my idea was to combine the two. And uh, I also wanted to do it in Belgrade for a specific reason. One, for Belgrade's history uh, and its place in the, the historical uh, map of the, uh, of the performance world. Um, but also because uh, performance artists in Serbia, considering a very low living standard, um, uh, cannot afford to attend very expensive and far away uh, performance art programs. So my idea was, okay, I have managed to uh, 
create my career abroad and uh, to create this fantastic network of performance artists uh, all over the world. So I took it on myself as a mission to bring these artists to Belgrade to hold workshops and uh, to bring... So my mission was to bring uh, the artists, uh, curators, uh, art historians uh, to, uh, to uh, the uh, performance artists in Serbia and in the region. Then it turned out uh, that we have also um, uh, received a lot of interest from international artists to attend the workshops and lectures uh, and program in general. Um, and then I thought that was really amazing because then it was peer-to-peer -peer, uh, interaction and exchange, which I thought was wonderful. Um, what is uh, for us uh, very important is that we have artists' mentors as well as artist participants in the program uh, who are very uh, gender liberal, who are very gender uh, free. And we practically are at the level... Uh, when it comes to the workshops, and especially longer workshops, we had, for example, Franco B, who taught 11-day workshop in Belgrade, and we were all living together, cooking and uh, working, and in the end we presented performances uh, in the small private museum just outside of Belgrade. Uh, and uh, we also had Vestin Page, uh, founders of Venice International Performance Art Week, who just in November last year were here for three weeks holding a workshop and working with the local and international participants, and they made a, a, a very uh, beautiful and very powerful um, uh, performance opera altogether. Um, but at the same time, we have uh, lecturers like Anya, who came to Belgrade and uh, uh, talked about the, 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 you know, I think that uh, uh, fe feminism... Uh, was a milestone. Uh, I'm talking feminism, about feminism in the 60s and the 70s, uh, and especially when it comes to art, and specifically when it comes to performance. Um, it had a very powerful impact. And thanks to that impact, we see gender today the way we see it. Am I making sense? Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that that's... Um, well, I want to to come to Belgrade, and I, I want to take the Node class. Uh, Anya, that you, you both are doing such incredible work in the classrooms, and I think it's really um, it's marrying the the work of um, feminism with the kind of new new wave of, of performance work we're seeing today that uh, expands past what it was in the 60s and 70s and can be what it is today because of that, um, most definitely. Um, so in the few minutes that we have left, um, so I don't keep you too long, um, I would be remiss if I didn't speak to the elephant in the room, the status of women in the art world. And I was hoping that I could ask the two of you to share a little bit about um, any obstacles you've encountered and what improvements you feel are within the field's grasp. Um, understanding that this is a field that is ever-changing, ever-growing, I think we've made uh, significant improvements, but uh, how can we do better? And who and what have been your inspirations and your supports in doing this important work that you're doing? 
Started you wonder should I Anya <laughs> I'm cheering for you. <laughs> okay, um so yes, the elephant in the room. Um I mean, I think it's quite obvious even just looking at statistics that you know, things are slowly improving. We have more female artists in collections. We have some females in higher up positions, but um, overall, obviously it's not enough. And the second problem is we're still speaking about women, whereas we should speak about, you know, other forms of genders and non-white, and uh, we should also speak about religion and age and so forth. Um, so I think we are, when it comes to the 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 art world, we are still very much in the 60s in, in terms of uh, applying, you know, increasing the, visi the visibility of, of women a little bit. Um, but that obviously is not, as I said, nearly enough. Um, the second problem I find is also that I feel that a lot is done merely on the surface and kind of the easy way out, which means um, when a museum is being criticized for not having enough female artists in their collections or artists of other genders, then they will um, acquire some more um, and institutes will hire a woman because they know they have to. But I don't feel we're there yet where the entire structure is truly challenged and changes. And I think that is the responsibility um, and, and actually the, the really great challenge now for our generation and the next generations is to keep kind of plucking away and working at really the structural institutional um, problems. And I mean, this is really, you know, going back to the 60s with Linda Nochlin's essay, Why There Have Been No Great Women Artists, uh, which is what she already then said, is, is that, you know, you really have to look at the institutes and the mechanisms and the workings of the art world. And um, so I think it's, it's a lot about, you know, kind of the next educating, teaching the next generation to be more brave, to be more, to trust themselves more and not blindly run after the canon and not blindly um, agree with everything that is um, that is being told them. Um, and find alternatives because, uh, I mean, big institutes, and so the art world would not change, will not change from one moment to the other, but doing things like Marta does, where she says, okay, I feel there's a lack of um, teaching of performance or mentoring of performance art students, but I can't find it anywhere, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself. Or what I did, where I said, well, there aren't enough feminist art history classes, so I'm going to pr propose one and, and do one myself and not you know, do something that, has, that, that, that is pre-existing. But find novel ways and, and um, kind of ways that circumvent um, what, is, what is already in place, which are the structures that just reiterate the same mistakes over and over again. And um, in, in my work, I also feel that, you know, when I talk about the institutes of, of the art world, which are museums and research institutes and universities and so forth, um, I forgot what I wanted to say. Uh, oh yeah, so it's very much, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a two-way street. I mean, art history is still, I find, a, a often very elitist. Um, concept that is, you know, people in the ivory tower who are privileged to study art history or teach art history or research or even create art and then the people on the outside. And I think this dialogue has to really be opened up. And that means for if you take the museum, for example, you know, they need to relinquish this kind of class status of being, you know, this 
again, this ivory tower and the place of, for higher education and, you know, teaching the people something. That is on the one side, but on the other side, it's also about the audiences, which then also includes the students and um, the, the, to be more in, engaged and, and to kind of bring art and life back together. Um, that, you know, what, what has been started in the 60s, but I feel kind of lost um, the, the foothold at some point and really educate people to take art not as something that is on the walls, but take it as something that you actively can relate to, interfere with, um, talk about, speak about. There is no right or wrong. There is no high or low. It's, it's really art is, is a reflection and a product of our society. And um, our society has these problems still with um, inequality when it comes to gender, when it comes to ethnicities and so forth. And um, it, it's a, it's a two-way street. It's really, it, it can't all be done by the artists. Um, it can't all be done by the scholars, but it really, the, the dialogue, it needs to be more inclusive, more open. But. Thank you. Mar Marta, would you agree? Yes, I absolutely agree. I would just like to add something that, that Anya, Anya touched, but she also brought uh, many important uh, uh, points. What I want to say is keep your community together. If we go back to the Me Too movement, what happened is that there was a confession. Everyone came forward. Uh, everyone spoke about it, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how shy you might get about it. Talk about it. Exchange. Keep your community together. Even though I don't really like that word community because now, by now it stands for so many things. But uh, keep together, regardless of your skin color, religion, nationality, gender. Help, you know. Uh, get informed. I think that's, that's also a very important thing. Check your statistics daily. There are a lot of statistics available just free online. But also when you talk to people across um, uh, across, uh, let's say, um, I'm an artist, I'll give you an example. And I just had dinner recently with uh, the general manager of a hotel in Belgrade. We were sitting next to, to, to each other. She's a woman, uh, 10 years older than me, who tells me just, you know, casually at the dinner, oh, yes, the hotel industry is horrible in terms of women. A woman can never achieve the salary. Uh, a, a woman GM can never achieve a salary of a, of a, of a male GM. Mm -hmm. And I fell off the chair, you know. I, I thought that maybe the industry that we are in, we are in is uh, more conservative, is more uh, white male oriented, but it turns out that it's not. So exchange your talk. Exchange the experience and, uh, and, uh, and see what you can learn from it and learn, think how you can change it. Start from yourself always first. I'm sorry, because, I, you know, I, in, in my case, I saw that, you know, what I would like uh, to study is not offered anything. So I found in my own institute, you know, but that's also craziness. I agree. But, you know, make your own little change, no matter how little it is, make a change. Uh, I think those are motivational words that we all need. Yes, Anya, please. Can I just very quickly, because I actually wanted to mention it and before I started answering the question, because you had asked about, you know, the obstacles that we might or might not have encountered. And 
when I read this question, I thought, oh, yes, absolutely. So there was this obstacle with this person here, and there I felt discriminated as a woman there, and there I felt discriminated because of not only my gender, but also my age, because, you know, being, like, still mid, like, fairly young, <laughs> I want to say, being a female and so forth, of course, there are all these problems, and um, which might be true, but then I, I started to think about it, and I thought, yes. But I think the biggest problem of whenever I encounter obstacles, obviously there might be an external factor, but it's always up to me to not roll over and be the victim and say, I've been wronged. But to say, oh, maybe, you know, look into myself and see how what, what I think of my work and what I think of my projects and how I present myself. So I think that falls into with uh, what, what Martha says as well. It's I think it's very important to be as proactive as possible and and um, consider yourself where you feel, you know, there is there is a lack. But and also don't expect the others to do it for you. And I think that's a problem exactly. with with feminism and also maybe the, the what is happening right now is that I think a lot of people um, hope that things will change without actively doing something and reflecting their own behavior. And maybe, you know, just for me, it's not about having an obstacle, going home and whining about it, but it's maybe about thinking, okay, how ne next time, how can I do, how can I do it better? And how can I be more proactive for that not to happen anymore? Because it will happen over and over again. Yeah. Well, on, on, on that note, I'll, I will just say thank you both for sharing your knowledge with us today. This has been um, truly educational and inspiring, and um, I, I really hope that we can all get out there and continue to do this really important work. Um, thank you again to Anya Forschner and Marta Ivanovic for speaking with me today. Uh, I'm Francesca Albrezzi, and this has been CAA Conversations. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you.